I really don't know what to make of the weather today, but that's all right because Mike Roberts will tell us a little later on here on Roadmap to Heaven. It has been everything from pouring down rain to bright sunshine since I woke up this morning, reminding me of one thing. I can't control the weather, that's for sure. But I'm happy to be with you this morning here on Roadmap to Heaven. Let's begin our day together in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we are going to talk about suffering and we're going to talk about the Blessed Mother because why not? Um, It's a good thing to talk about. And then we also have for our radio listeners some reflections on our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. So that's all on the show today. Now, as I said, from the time I woke up this morning, it's been everything from pouring down rain to bright, beautiful sunshine. I have no idea what's in store, but Mike Roberts does. Let's go to him for today's weather and Saint of the Day. This is the feast day of St. Leander of Seville and St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. Born in Assisi in 1838, his baptismal name was Francis. He was the 11th of 13 children born to Sante and Agnes, and his father worked for the local government. Francis lost his mother when he was just four, and then two of his sisters also died. Quite social and popular as a young man, it was assumed he would marry, but there were many changes to come not long after he started college. He lost two of his brothers, was nearly killed while hunting, and in 18 1851 became gravely ill. While sick, he vowed to become a priest, but soon he forgot that promise when he got better. Two years later, Francis became sick again and again promised to become a priest when he recovered. This time, he kept his word only for a time. He began the process of becoming a Jesuit, but never finished. Then a cholera epidemic struck, taking the life of yet another sibling, his sister Mary. During a procession of the Blessed Mother, who was being called upon for help, he heard an interior voice asking him why he remained in the world. Finally, he answered the call, and against the wishes of his father, joined the Passionists in 1856, taking the name Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. Gabriel excelled in his studies and was an outstanding example of prayer and dedication, showing a particularly strong desire to serve the poor. But just four years into his journey, Gabriel developed tuberculosis. He continued to serve in all of his roles as long as the disease allowed, but finally succumbed, dying on this day in 1862. Saint Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. It is always a treat when Monsignor Michael Witt comes to visit us in the studios for two reasons. Number one, uh, his wealth of knowledge about the Archdiocese of St. Louis and uh, really, our history here in the Midwest of Catholicism is intriguing and fascinating. And number two, he always brings his dog with him, which I love. I think we should have a dog in the radio station every day. Monsignor, great to have you with us this morning. Thanks. Thanks for welcoming me and uh, Ryan. All right. Well, you know, uh, we are here today to talk about suffering yeah. um, as we are in the season of Lent. 
it is a time that, you know, perhaps uh, as a child, maybe I thought my suffering was on a Friday evening home from school and opening the fridge, what's to eat, and seeing that big deli bag of, of salami and saying, oh, that'd be wonderful right now. But alas, it's Friday. Woe is me. Woe is me. Look at my suffering. Isn't it great? And as I, uh, you know, I, I was mentioning a few weeks ago, as I've gotten older, and my body has gotten older. I have learned uh, new ways of suffering that I did not even know of in my youth. And rather than hide from them, that's a great invitation for us as we journey through the season of Lent. Right, yeah. yeah. I'd like to give two examples of redemptive suffering that I came across actually when I was in the seminary. And it was at DePaul Hospital. And these, both of these cases really opened up my eyes Remember that I was trained as an historian, not as a theologian. And so I had one year of, of uh, seminary theology under my belt when I was asked to live with uh, Monsignor Shockley uh, downtown at St. Laborious and then do my um, hospital ministry out at DePaul Hospital. So each day I drove out there, and, and one day um, I was asked to take communion to a number of people. And I went into one room. There was a young lady there, about 25 years old, mid-20s. And she was there because she was bleeding in the stomach. I came and gave her communion. I'll never forget her. I think her name was Rosario. After all these years, I remember that. And um, her eyes teared up. And and she said to me, "Um, why is this happening to me? And this was pretty big. She was actually from Mexico. She had left her family, her, her town, um, her language, and came to the United States to be with this man. And now he had just really badly abused her so much that she was in the hospital. And it was serious enough that uh, the security was actually on that floor for fear that he might actually come and, and find her again. And, and so that's what that, this is. And, and then the me... And I didn't have a real good answer at first. And providentially, I looked over at the wall, and there was a crucifix there. And I said to her, look at that crucifix. Look at Christ on that, on that cross. I said, he suffered and died for us. And now he's asking you and me to participate in that suffering and offer your suffering up to him and unite that with, with the cross. And... um. I, I, I assume she did. She got transferred right after that to another location. But later on, I found myself um, studying St. Paul, and I came across this phrase. It's in Colossians, and it says this, And now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the affliction of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. I take that apart. You know, the first part of that, I rejoice in my suffering. That's hard to get around. And then he, he says this, in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in the affliction of Christ. And, and that shocks you at first. I mean, isn't Christ's suffering, his passion, his death, the cross, isn't that sufficient? Isn't that enough? And then you begin to realize that what Christ is doing is he's not just giving us the, the redemption, but he's also asking us not to be just the recipient 
of that grace, but rather to be participants in that. And that's what our suffering can do if we're willing to elevate that and, and return that to him. And, and so that was the example that I had with Rosario. And, um, and then later on, uh, that, that same summer, I, I walked into another room, and uh, I was not going to bring him communion, just a, a visit. He's actually a Pentecostal. And um, he was undergoing chemotherapy uh, for leukemia. And when I walked in, he looked up at me, and he had shriveled up. This was a, a he had been a big man. He'd lost about 100 pounds just that, that summer. And um, he looked up at me, and he said, look what's happened. And, and he was bald. He lost all of his hair. It's probably the only time in my life that I really was uh, happy about being bald also because um, what I, I patted my head and I said, it, you don't look so bad after all. <laughs> <laughs> and he bust out laughing, and we ended up with a friendship like you wouldn't believe. And then what happens is that every day I could, I, I dropped by Danny's room, and we visited with each other, and he had a Bible, I had a Bible, and we used to find Bible quotes back and forth with each other. And, uh, and one day, he was all excited, and he said, i got to read this to you. This is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And, and so this is the passage from the fifth chapter, and it goes like this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand, and we boast of the hope of the glory of God. And now this is the important part. This is the third verse. Not only that, but we even boast of our afflictions. We even boast of our afflictions, knowing that affliction produces endurance, and endurance proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Now, being a Pentecostal, that last part about the Holy Spirit really jumped out at him. And, and I, I saw that, that play that, again, with the, um, the affliction and the suffering and how it can be redemptive. And so, you know, there it was. I just, those two instances really stuck with me uh, ever since. Yeah, you know, as, as you've been saying this, I've been thinking about how uh, you know, St. Paul says that line that, that confuses me every time, the afflictions that have been lacking in the body of Christ. Right. And yet, had this gentleman or this woman or you or I not willingly accepted to say, Lord, I'm suffering and I want to offer you this suffering, then it wouldn't, you know, we would still be suffering, but he's not going to make us accept it for the body of Christ. Only you and I can choose to do yeah. that. So yeah. it, it sounds like in all of this, um, there's a lesson for us and, and you know, very countercultural. The, the world is offering us all of these things to say, oh, you're suffering. Well, let's get rid of the suffering. Right. You yeah. know. But what is the lesson for us when, it, when we find ourselves suffering, whether it's something dramatic that lands us in the hospital or perhaps that persistent hangnail that just won't seem to go away and hurts every time we take a step? Yeah, that's, that's, that's for sure. Um, I'll tell you, about three years ago, I was reading a biography of Loretta Young. 
And years back, I had the privilege of spending an evening with her, uh, about eight of us together. And uh, she was the most elegant woman. The way she moved was so artful, just absolutely beautiful uh, woman. And as I was reading the biography, um, there was a passage in which she had ended up in a hospital. I think this was in Phoenix. I'm not, I don't remember. Um, but um, she was in the hospital. She was in a lot of pain. And a, a religious sister came to visit her and was sitting with her. And, and in the biography mentions that she poured out all this pain and suffering that she was having to this sister. And the response was, the, the sister said to Loretta Young, she said, don't waste your suffering. And basically what she said then was um, offer it up. And, and as I'm reading this biography, and by now, you know, you talked about the kind of the, <laughs> the personal pains that come with arthritis and all the other things. Um, that reminded me of something the sisters told me back when I was in grade school. I skinned my knee, offer it up. My mom used to say that all the time. She had no sympathy for my, my pains and sufferings. It was like, offer it up. And that's the redemptive suffering that I was talking about with Rosario. That's the redemptive suffering that Danny Bell was going through also. And, and that's, I think, the lesson that we can all uh, learn from. It is. O- offer it up. I remember recently our four-year-old had some, uh, she had a scrape or something, and she just wouldn't stop saying at bedtime. It, you know, it didn't bother her until bedtime. And then she would say, it hurts, it hurts, it really hurts. And I'd say, well... Let's say a prayer and say, dear Jesus, please take this pain for the holy souls. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, at, at this point, I doubt she has the concept of who the holy souls are and how this is efficacious. But let's start planting that seed now Yeah, that, uh, you know, I can only put so many Band-Aids on it and they're not going to do anything. <laughs> but we can start we can start in prayer offering it up. Well, Monsignor, this is a great reminder for us in this season of Lent, uh, perhaps whether it's the hunger pains on the days that we fast mm. Or, you know, as the weather changes, it's always a time when uh, the, the beginnings of my arthritis and my <laughs> musician's hands start to flare up or my seasonal allergies uh-huh. kick in and my sinuses are miserable. It, it's a great invitation to offer it up. Could I ask you to uh, close us out with a prayer here this morning? Mm-hmm. Let us remember that we're in God's holy presence, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, you're the source of all blessings, and we ask you this day to shower your blessings upon us, upon all the efforts of this particular radio station, upon all the audience that is listening in at this time. We ask you to take our own diminishments, our own sufferings of various ways, large and small, and unite those to the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ at, at his passion. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. Amen. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. We'd like to thank Monsignor Michael Witt and Ryan, the dog, for being with us this morning. (laughs) We're going to take a break. Stay tuned. Prayer for God's blessing of one's daily work. O Lord, my God, creator and ruler of the universe, it is your will that human beings accept the duty of work. May the work I do bring growth in this life to me and to those I love and help to extend the kingdom of Christ. Give all persons work that draws them to you and to each other in cheerful service. I unite all my work with the sacrifice of Jesus in the Holy Mass, that it may be pleasing to you and give you glory. I beg your blessing upon all my efforts, with St. Joseph as my example and guide, 
Help me to do the work you have asked and come to the reward you have prepared. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven and one of our favorite priests, Father Don Calloway. Father, it's so good to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, good to be with you. I think my question for you is, how do we level up in our Marian devotion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's a good point, because, you know, like anything, you want to have the follow-through swing, right? You want to knock the ball out of the park, and you you want to keep that relationship going. You want to keep it animated and keep it alive and keep fueling the fire. So I would definitely say you don't want to jettison the things that got you there in the first place. So the rosary, reading good books about Our Lady, keep those practices up for sure. But I would definitely say the ultimate goal of having a devotion to Mary is wanting to imitate her. We want to be like her. We want to have virtue like her. And so that's where, you know, like now, at the beginning of your day, maybe pick a particular virtue. Mary, help me to be patient. You were so patient yourself. Or Mary, you were so humble. I've got a coworker I really struggle with. You know, he really rubs me the wrong way. Help me to be humble, Mary. Help me to imitate your virtues. That's going the next step. That's going the next level. And that's actually what heaven wants the most. That's what those devotions are supposed to lead to, is the imitation of, and we ourselves can become holy. We can become virtuous. I mean, that's great stuff right there. Father, I think back to a a talk I once heard you give, and and I'll be honest, I watched it online. I was not Mm -hmm. graced to be there in person, but you were talking about using that great image of Padre Pio and of St. John Paul II of the rosary as a sword. And I love how you describe the Mm -hmm. the mysteries of light as Mm -hmm. the lightsaber. You know, yeah. when John Paul, I, I grew up in the 80s, Father, and so you, yeah, yeah. all things Star Wars and Star Trek, you, you've got me. <laughs> but you made a comment that a lot of people would say, well, why bother with a sword when they don't believe that there are dragons to be slain? Mm. And mm-hmm. that's part of what we're talking about here, too, is not just, you mentioned the follow-through swing. You know, we're mm-hmm. not learning necessarily how to swing a golf club or a baseball bat here, but this is really a mm-hmm. sword for our spiritual protection in mm-hmm. very chaotic times. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you <laughs> That's an understatement. I mean, we are living in some really troubling times. I would almost say biblical times. I mean, we're, we're seeing some things unfold that, my, 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 I mean, we really need to be people of prayer. And yes, you're right. A lot of people don't even acknowledge that there is a dragon. But you know what's interesting, though? As a priest, I talk to people a lot of people are starting to come around to these things. If, maybe if they've rejected Christianity or they struggle with it. You know, even some of my friends who are complete pagans, they say to me, you know, something's not right in the world. Things are off, and maybe I do need to look into some of these things that I wrote off as some legend or some myth or whatever, because there's got to be something here at work that's deeper than what I'm seeing. So, People are, I think, they're starting to open up to these things. And so the dragon that many people have denied, I think they're starting to come around and say, you know what, this thing might actually exist. So, so they're going to be looking for that weapon. And yeah. so we need, to, we need to tell them where to go, where to get that weapon. Well, that brings me to my last question for you here, Father. I, I was thinking of the other night, we're at Holy Mass not too long ago, and there was a whole pew of religious sisters in full habit. And my 10-year-old daughter asked me, Dad, What's the difference between a nun 
and a sister. And I said, well, quite frankly, nuns stay in the cloister, and they don't have visitors very often, and they don't go out to the world unless absolutely necessary, whereas religious sisters, they go out to the world. And most of us here on the show today, whether it's you or I or our listeners, are not in the monastery. We're not in the cloister. We are called to go out to the world. And, you know, I love in your book, Champions of the Rosary, and another one of your books, The Ten Wonders of the Rosary, you you share so many stories of great saints. And I'd like Mm. to be a great saint someday. And and one of the things I love is how they take the rosary out to the world. But I sometimes fear that I've become like Blessed Alan de la Roche, uh, you know, that that I'm the dog that forgot how to bark. You know, so Father, right. how can we how can we take what we're getting from the Rosary, these great gifts we receive? How can we take that out and witness to the the world? Yeah, and you're right. Your your points are so well said here because a lot of people do think, well, I have to be a priest or a nun, you know, to do these things. And what impact could I have? I'm just a layperson. Well, hey, look at Blessed Bartolo Longo. You know, he was a layman. He wasn't a bishop, a priest. He wasn't a monk, and just a, a, a layman, and he did so many amazing things with the rosary, and he did it in a practical way. So he, he went one time to the town of Pompeii, you know, destroyed by Vesuvius centuries ago, and he um, was so in love with Our Lady and the rosary, he said, I'm going to help restore this city by means of the rosary. And he started orphanages, he started um, charitable works and, and hospitals, and all those things that, you know, based upon his love for the rosary and the mysteries, and he would get all those people to pray the rosary in those places. Wow. Well, maybe we can't do that just like that, but we all have a circle of influence. I mean, we all have people we interact with every day that we can be a force for good, a source for good in them, and the things that we say and the things that we don't say, being charitable, being loving, being merciful, being patient, all of those things, we are a witness. You know, some people might not pick up the Scriptures to read the Scriptures, but if they read our lives, they're going to see that, and hopefully they're going to want that. And that, I think, again, goes back to the imitation. Let's imitate these sacred mysteries that we pray about. These Remember, these are weapons. They're powerful stuff. They overcome the darkness and falsehood. So let's imitate our Lord and Our Lady and St. Joseph and all the saints and bring that light into a world right now that is definitely filled with darkness. We need a lot of light today. Father Don, as we draw to a close, could you lead our listeners in a prayer and a blessing? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the graces and mercies that you bestow upon us, and we pray for the whole world to come to know and love you, and especially for for loved ones who have fallen away from the faith, that they would have a conversion and come back to you. We ask this through the intercession of Our Lady and St. Joseph, the blessing of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Here is our catechism for today. I mentioned earlier today that uh, there was a particular antiphon this weekend that I enjoy hearing every year during the season of Lent. It's both at the offertory 
and the communion in the uh, Gregorian Missal for the places that St. Gregorian chant. And uh, perhaps you heard an English adaptation of this song this weekend. But let me read you a couple lines of the scripture that it comes from. And I'd like for you to tell me, you're going to know the book, I'm sure, but can you tell me the verse uh, or the chapter of where we are? Here's direct from the, the scripture. You who dwell in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shade of the Almighty, say to the Lord, my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust, he will rescue you from the fowler's snare, from the destroying plague. He will shelter you with his pinions, and under his wings you may take refuge. His faithfulness is a protecting shield. You shall not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that roams in darkness, nor the plague that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, near you it shall not come." I could go on, but time does not permit. Do you know the chapter? It is from the book of Psalms, and the chapter is chapter 91. And every year on the first Sunday of Lent, it's the appointed antiphon for both offertory and communion in the good old Gregorian Missal. We're going to get you one more check of the weather here this morning in the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and we'll be back to wrap up the show. The Memorari to St. Joseph for the Sanctification of Families. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in thy power, I fly unto thee and beg thy protection of families. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble prayer, but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen. It's a new week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And friends, I'm just going to tell you this. When Patty told me the theme for this week, I got really excited because it's Lent. And it's one of those things that you may say, Adam, how could you get excited about this topic? But Patty, I think we need to tell them, what is our topic this week? <laughs> well, you're right. When I say it, you may go, what? How can you be excited about that? The topic is restoring a proper sense of sin. John Paul II talked about having a sense of sin. And I read about this in my daily devotional that I've talked about very often on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. I read in conversation with God, and it gives me a lot of insights. And, and this is one of the topics that is in that book, In Conversation with God. So it actually talked, the topic is named an abhorrence. We are to have an abhorrence of sin. You can find this on page 101 and 107, book two of In Conversation with God. The bottom line is, that's a fancy word, abhorrence of sin. We are to hate sin. And this is how we can gain a proper sense of sin. The first thing is to just know this to be true, that the worst thing that can happen to us is not death. The worst thing that can happen to us is to die in the state of mortal sin. That's the worst thing that can happen to us. So restoring a proper sense of sin is the first step in hating sin and then the determination to avoid every occasion that would put us in danger of offending God. So here's what John Paul II said. The loss of a sense of sin is a form of the denial of God, not only in the form of atheism, but also in the form of secularism. If sin is the breaking off of your filial relationship to God in order to situate your life outside of obedience to him, then to sin is not merely to deny God. To sin is also to live as if he didn't exist, to eliminate him from your daily life. So that's, again, what we are trying not to do here. So how do we restore a proper sense of sin? First thing, first thing, first thing, 
name them. Calling things by their proper name is the first step. So we have to look at our faults and imperfections. And here's the funny thing is we like to call them faults and imperfections. No, these are not faults and mere imperfections, but usually venial sins or even a mortal sin. So we tend to rationalize our faults and imperfections, but behind every one is sin and we just can't see it. Maybe you have flashes of anger and you just say, oh, well, this is just how I am. Or my dad was like this, so I inherited it. Or you, the desire to be the center of attention. Oh, it's my little fault. I, I, I do like that. Or being envious of others or uncharitable comments, whatever it is, laziness, excessive drinking, you know, eat lying, cussing, name your vice, right? We call them our faults and our imperfections. We all have them, but we need to call them by name without excuses for what they are, sin. And then pray to the Holy Spirit to help us sincerely recognize our sins, to have a sensitive conscience, which seeks pardon and does not look for ways to justify our errors. That's the first step. Name them and know that our faults and imperfections are not just faults and imperfections. Patty, as you say this, I think back to a time when I was repairing an electronic element and I thought all was safe, all was well because it was unplugged. And a friend said, yeah, but you see that little part right there that has enough electricity stored up in it that if you touch it right now with a screwdriver, it could stop your heart. And wow, I'm glad that that person told me that because I don't want my heart to be stopped. So I'd like to know about the sin in my life so I can go to our Lord and ask for that grace I need to die in a state of grace. It really is one of those things that to this day mesmerizes me. I didn't know about capacitors, but all of you that work with engineering or electronics, you know about capacitors and how dangerous they are. Uh, Glad I didn't touch that with a screwdriver. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy to let you know that uh, the interview we did last week with Joel Stepanek on the National Eucharistic Congress is going to be up on our YouTube channel in just a few minutes here this morning, so be sure to check that out. Don't forget to check out the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. Share that with your friends. Click like, click subscribe, listen to our other podcasts here at Covenant Network. We'd love for you to share them far and wide. Until tomorrow for Covenant Network, I am Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.